Well, let's talk about George uh, Cascone. Um, I think you mentioned that uh, um, he is a, the term he likes to describe himself by, is it, quote, progressive? That's a term that's used. I don't, I don't know if it fits, but that's the term that's used. Okay. Um, but he um, has been supported, I believe, by George Soros. Uh, uh, also, I think that uh, Kamala Harris, uh, Newsom, um, and uh, Elizabeth Warren, the senator out of Massachusetts, all yeah, support don't, him. Don't forget Schiff. And, and, and Schiff. who and people like that. Who, who is one who's actually from Los Angeles area, but these others are all outside of Los Angeles, ironically. Uh, supporting a uh, progressive uh, uh, prosecutor. So, so with with, with uh, George Gascone, uh, there is a recall effort to underway with him. As to him, uh, what's the status of that? The status recall effort is the uh, people behind it uh, uh, got 190,000 more signatures than they needed to qualify. Now, in any such effort, you're going to have certain signatures on petitions that are invalid. Mm -hmm. The registrar recorder, through certain policy decisions uh, and his review, which was very flawed, by the way, mm -hmm. of the petitions, said, no, uh, it fell 40,000 short. Well, uh, <laughs> uh, a number of people couldn't quite believe that. And they were right in not quite believing that. Because since last November, a number of uh, volunteers and uh, other people have donated money to really cause a very intense review of the registrar recorder's decisions regarding the signatures that were produced. You know what they found? The voter rolls were hugely bloated because their registrar recorder had not followed the dictates of a lawsuit saying you must purge your voter rolls of people that are like dead, have moved out of state, have not voted in three consecutive federal elections. That's the law. Our registrar recorder had not gotten around to doing that. So when you have, let's say, uh, 500,000 voters on the rolls that shouldn't be there, that makes your requirement for the 10% of signatures increased by 50,000. Because you're required to get 10% of all registered voters to sign a petition. And this would be the uh, registered voters in the county of, of the county Los Angeles. And so, because LA County uh, negligently, intentionally, uh, ineptly did not purge their voter rolls, the recall proponents were required to get more signatures than they actually should have had to get. That's just part one. And the rest of it is they made huge mistakes, huge mistakes, in, and they invalidated many signatures which were perfectly valid mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. by true registered voters in L.A. County because of the way they executed their duties. For example, if this is just one small example, but there's many other examples. If someone never really learned a script writing, they don't have a signature in, in that way. So what they do is they print their name. That's how they legally write their name. They print it. Mm -hmm. If 
someone down at the clerk's office sees, uh, oh, it's a printed name, they didn't sign it, well, I'm going to disqualify it. No, wait a second. That's how they write their name. But they would disqualify it. There are examples like that. Uh, on the form itself, uh, it said, print your, uh, your name and your residence address. Okay? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you could be a, a valid registered voter. You print your name. You sign it. The signature is right. But let's say you had moved and you put re your residence address on the form itself. The current residence your, your address. Current, your current residence address. If it does not match your registered address, they would kick that out. That's thousands. That's thousands. So policy decisions were made. Uh, discrete individual decisions were made. There were mistakes made over and over and over again by the registrar recorder the way they reviewed those petitions. I think that the registrar recorder never thought there would be a challenge, that no one would, would go down there and take the time over many months mm -hmm. to review those petitions. They thought they would get away with it. Well, I don't think they're gonna get away with it because there's probably gonna be a lawsuit filed to get a writ of mandate um, that forces a court to make the decision as to whether or not there were enough valid signatures or not. And I think that's going to be a very interesting lawsuit, unprecedented, probably in electoral history, at least in California, um, where um, the, the decision made by a governmental official you should have faith in will be overturned uh, by some very dedicated volunteers who just did the hard work of double-checking what they did down there in Norwalk at the registrar's office. Well, this um, now triggers voter integrity. Um, and, and the numbers, uh, I believe on the petition for recall, there was roughly 700,000 plus signatures collected and- They needed 566,000. Which was an inflated number because they had right. numbers the rules, so it was something number. less than that. And they invalidated uh, the registrar's office and validated almost two hundred thousand. I, I I can't remember all the, the numbers, but somewhere along those lines, it's a it huge was, number. It was huge. Huge, huge number. It was huge. So, yeah. And now we're finding out that it shouldn't have been that huge. They made a lot of mistakes. They invalidated perfectly valid signatures by real registered voters. So uh, yeah, it shouldn't have been that huge. So uh, you mentioned, is there a lawsuit pending now? Or, uh, or there's a lawsuit pending now. Uh, it's in, uh, um, there's an injunction brought uh, by the recall committee against the registrar recorder. That is an ongoing matter in front of Judge Chalfont uh, in the Ritz Court. And so far, uh, the recall proponents have been very successful in court, uh, forcing the registrar recorder to stop slow walking it, interfering with it. Uh, so thank goodness there was a judge to keep these guys honest uh, by these guys, I mean the Registrar Recorder's office. Uh, and uh, ultimately, uh, uh, after an appeal taken by the Registrar Recorder is resolved, there will be a writ of mandate filed, which is a separate legal matter. And that is really to have a court order the Registrar Recorder to certify the election because in fact enough signatures have been gathered. Uh, and then the County Board of Supervisors, once um, 
a recall election is certified, will have to place it on the ballot. Hmm. Uh, and then we find out about whether Mr. Gascon's progressive policies are accepted here in Los Angeles County, or is he going to be rejected? So this is uh, 2023. Uh, in the normal course of things, if he's not rec <clears throat> recalled, when does his term expire? His term uh, would expire, <clears throat> well, assuming he's not recalled, because once you're recalled and, and uh, uh, it succeeds, you lose power immediately upon certification of the recall election. Mm -hmm. So assuming he's not thrown out by recall, uh, he would be uh, up for the, and he's actually campaigning now, for the primary in March of 2024, mm -hmm. and assuming he's one of the top two, he would be up for election in November of 2024. It's theoretically possible, I know this is crazy, but it's theoretically possible he could be nominated as a candidate for district attorney uh, in the primary election and recalled in the same election. <laughs> it's just it's crazy. It's one of the peculiarities yeah, but, of the recall but this uh, is, laws. But, it, yeah. but it's peculiar uh, because there's never been a recall of a constitutional officer in, in Los Angeles County in 170 years. He's the first one up uh, to actually face a serious recall where it is likely he will be recalled. Never been done before. So. Governor's been recalled, the DA in San Francisco's been recalled. I think there's been a one or two other recalls in the I'm history. Well, Los Angeles County. Not, but not Los Angeles. Constitutional officers, we've been around since the 1850. Time. There's three constitutional officers, assessor, DA, sheriff. None of them has ever been recalled uh, in Los Angeles County in 100, well, since 1850. You do the math. <laughs> That's been a while. 73 years. Been a while. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so if if uh, let, let's say if if the target date is to get the recall scheduled for March of 2024, that's also the primary. So, uh, and a recall, I think, even though the petition to get it scheduled requires 10% valid signatures, the actual recall is by majority vote. Yeah. Well, it's a it's a, well under the old system. Um, they would have what they call a substitution election, and there would be a list of people who wanted to be the district attorney, who paid the fee, whatever, and then that would be a plurality, whoever got the most out of that. Remember Schwarzenegger? Remember. There are 134 people that yeah. applied to be governor, and he got the most plurality. In a big plurality, but it was a plurality. <laughs> uh, but. Uh, but that, that's to, the to second. Re, that's the second half. Takes right. fifty percent plus right. one vote. Right, yeah. and then if it's fifty percent plus one on the recall, then you get down to the hundred and thirty-four or, or however many people are running for the office. Well, except the legislature, our great legislature, decided to change the rules, and no longer uh, is there an opportunity for the public to select the replacement, assuming the official is recalled. Now, what happens is the Board of Supervisors appoints an interim if someone is recalled. So let's say Gascon gets recalled, say in March. Uh, once that recall election is certified and he is recalled by 50% plus one vote, then he is out of office, he loses all power, he has no more authority, um, and he cannot run in the general election, assuming he's the top two, with the title of district attorney. And the board would appoint some sort of a caretaker and uh, interim district attorney to discharge those duties. 
until there's an election and a certified election. He could win the primary, he's recalled, but the recall itself does not qualify him for standing for the general election, Is that, uh, apparently. Yeah, that's doing good work. All right, but it does disqualify the L.A. County Board of Supervisors from appointing him to be the no, interim DA. No, well, yeah, he, they couldn't appoint oh, him, okay, yeah, for all sure. Right, all right. <laughs> no, he's, he's out, he's out, he's, out, he's uh, not in the game, he's not in the game, he's gone. Uh, so, uh, so I guess we're, we're saying then, uh, and I don't know if many people know this, but uh, there probably is a general impression that if someone is recalled, that's kind of permanent disqualification from holding that office, but that's just not true in California. No, it's not true in California. Yeah. Well, uh, the, um, uh, yeah, you're disqualified for th from that office for that term. Right. And you can run again and be elected again if the public is uh, willing to make that mistake again. I don't think they are. All the polling I see and hear about is that he is uh, one of the most disfavored elected officials in L.A. County history. If not California. Well, this, I, I, I want to come back to this because there seems to be a. Di he has a huge support from Governor Newsom, who's not from Southern California. Uh, he, uh, big support for someone like Elizabeth Warren from Massachusetts. Uh, apparently, financial support from a lot of people outside of Los Angeles County. But the citizens. Well, yeah, big support from George Soros. Yeah, yeah, that, yes. Millions and millions and millions of dollars. Yes. Soros and his little clique of buddies and and uh, fellow traveler type people. Yeah. Uh, yeah, my, 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 my point though is that they don't, they're not county of Los Angeles voters, but yet here we have this support from outside of the county, but the voters in county of Los Angeles who are dealing with the repercussions of this rising crime rate have a different attitude. I well, think you got to remember, Newsom appointed this loser Gascon with no experience as a lawyer or as a prosecutor to be the DA of San Francisco. So they're kind of like buddies. Uh, but Newsom, in my view, is the kind of person, he is such a politician, when he sees Gascon's stock going down, he'll just, he'll avert his eyes. Just like I think Mayor Bass. Uh, I don't think she's gonna be a supporter of Gascon and she reads the polls and see how disfavored he is, mm -hmm. she won't touch him with a 10-foot pole. Um, even someone as shifty as Ship uh, will no longer be in his corner. Well, but, but I want to dwell on this point for just a minute because uh, to the extent that we're talking about some type of uh, effective voter nullification of the voters in Los Angeles County by the powers that be and the money that be that comes from outside, the county of Los Angeles. There's something about that that bothers me. Uh, this should be a Los Angeles County issue, uh, but yet we have these levers being pulled by powers and monies that are outside the county. George, George Soros's master plan is much bigger than Los Angeles County, but Los Angeles County was the big elephant mm. for him to capture. Uh, it's one thing to uh, have your way up in San Francisco with 700,000 people. But LA County, the largest, most populous county in the United States of America by far, was the big elephant. He, they got Chicago uh, with Kim Fox, it's a complete loser. Uh, they got the Attorney General in New York, complete loser. Uh, they got this guy in Manhattan, New York, completely, complete disaster. 
but he's actually gotten people in because the money he brings into it from outside ha does impact those voters, um, especially the uninformed voters who may be influenced by a, a cleverly written ad against an incumbent and for uh, a George Gascon or someone of that nature. So, uh, but I think the public is waking up. I think that they're starting to figure out how this is happening to them, why their uh, justice system becomes a, uh, a mess, uh, an embarrassment, mm -hmm. something to be mocked. Uh, and they go, you know what, uh, maybe we made a mistake with that Gascon guy mm -hmm. or with you know, somebody else, Philadelphia, St. Louis. Uh, some of them are waking up. San Francisco woke up and got rid of that loser. One, one thing I think that confuses just the common man and woman uh, on the street is how someone who has a philosophy that, uh, that allows the crime rates to increase uh, more people on the street rather than uh, being put away so that they can't commit crimes. Um, and, and the uh, prosecutor is, is content and thinks that's some type of social progress. But if you're the individual who is having to close your store because you're suffering smash or grabs, or you're the homeowner that is being broken into and you're losing uh, you know, your, your you know, family wealth through these uh, thefts and burglaries, um, then uh, we have an issue where what, I have to ask the basic question, what do these people think, I'm talking about the prosecutors, what are they trying to achieve? Uh, are, are, you would conclude that they're not looking out for the, quote, victims, or, or do they even not even consider uh, these homeowners or these businesses to be victims? It's a very confusing situation. Well, let's start with victims. That's a good place to start. Uh, I particularly care about uh, next of kin of murder victims. Mm. When you lose uh, a loved one to a, a violent, act of murder, and some of them are particularly brutal, and then the district attorney, who's supposed to be, by law and by the Constitution, assisting you at parole hearings, says, no, I forbid my prosecutors from assisting a victim at a parole hearing. I forbid my prosecutors from writing the, par the parole hearings regarding the nature of the crime. As a matter of fact, my prosecutors cannot do anything after the sentencing of an individual for a crime. They're not to be involved. Uh, that's sort of abandoning victims. When a mother has to go to a parole hearing by herself to face the murderer of her child, and he's got a lawyer, and she has to confront the murderer and the lawyer without any help from the district attorney or the prosecutor, that is a tragedy. That is a complete failure. And that is what happens in Los Angeles County. Hmm. That is his policy. That's what he does. Mm -hmm. That's the reason so many victims and legitimate victims groups are fighting for his recall because he's abandoned them every which way. He couldn't have done anything more. He's trying to get uh, certain uh, murderers resentenced uh, to lesser terms. He's advocating for the murderer, the Gascon is, and he's abandoning the victim. Then, then what's uh, com coming back? What, what's the end game? Because uh, most people, uh, including myself, would think that the purpose of a district attorney 
is there to enforce the laws, and that is to keep law violators uh, away from the public. Yeah, that's yet, kind of what you'd think they would do. That's, that's in the government code, by the way. That's in the Constitution. So what's his endgame? Uh, I mean, what, I, what, I what's his goal? If I could get in uh, uh, George Gascon's head, uh, I would be a, a, accomplishing something I think no one's really been able to do. If I could get in George Soros's head, that would be something else, because he is uh, funding all this, <laughs> billions of dollars, to mm -hmm. change the way uh, uh, American jurisprudence works when it comes to criminal law. Uh, I can't get inside their head. All I know is the results are horrible mm -hmm. for the law-abiding public, uh, uh, across the board, just, just horrible. Uh, the system's not working. Uh, the district attorney has turned against the law-abiding public on the one hand, mm -hmm. and uh, the true victims and victims um, next of kin on the other. It's turned against him. The system is upside down with a guy like this in the office. And, and what motivates him? God only knows. What groups and uh, individuals um, here in LA are, are in favor of the recall? Oh, <laughs> I think law enforcement, for starters. Mm -hmm. uh, they know that uh, George Gascon undermines all of their efforts. Mm -hmm. George Gascon has ordered his prosecutors to not file legitimate, lawful uh, arrest and provable crimes in like nine different categories of misdemeanors. Those uh, resisting arrest, uh, 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 a drunken public, some possession of drugs, things of that mm -hmm. nature, mm -hmm. trespass. Uh, his prosecutors cannot file those crimes. That really denigrates communities. That's a quality of life issue. Mm -hmm. And he has told his prosecutors, don't file them. So that affects misdemeanors in 78 cities and unincorporated parts of uh, the county of Los Angeles. Uh, so uh, law enforcement, they know. They're on the front lines. They're seeing their good arrests be treated as worthless. Uh, they see their uh, crimes violent crimes in many cases, uh, committed by recidivists, not properly filed. Mm -hmm. uh, they see juvenile crimes not properly filed. If There, there are cases of uh, young hoodlums over the age of 16 who commit armed robberies, stick a real gun in a real victim's face and, and steal their stuff. You cannot get a robbery filed against that juvenile offender because George Gascon ordered his deputies they cannot file strike offenses against juveniles. So what the DAs have to do? They have to file some other phony baloney crime like theft, theft of a per from a person. They can't file an armed robbery because it's a strike. This is craziness. Mm -hmm. And then enhancements. You can't file enhancements. You can't file priors. You can't file strikes. So you end up with a phony charge that doesn't represent the true crime and the facts of that crime and the record of the defendant. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because he, does, he wants to reduce the potential for uh, uh, the, the ultimate sentence a court may impose. He does not want a long sentence. He wants decarceration through kind of like deprosecution. <laughs> That's the way it works. They mm. do it all, all through the exercise of his quote unquote prosecutorial discretion. Well, what, what's the attitude of the rank-and-file prosecutors in the DA's office? Los Angeles County uh, has a civil service system. Um, 
in terms of all of its employees, and that includes the prosecutors. The prosecutors in that office, uh, for the most part, the vast majority, are dedicated professionals who know their craft and they are committed to uh, accurately enforcing the laws of California, which is the oath that they took, okay? Mm -hmm. George Gascon tells them, no, I don't want you doing that. I want you to do it my way. Mm -hmm. They despise him. Mm -hmm. They have no faith in him. They had a plebiscite to determine whether or not they, the rank and file prosecutors, should support the recall. It was 97.3% of the prosecutors who participated in that plebiscite, which was the largest turnout ever in their history, voted to support the recall. Does that answer your question about what do they think of George Gascon? They think he does not belong in that office. They think he is uh, working against their sworn oath. They think he's unethical. They think he's a danger to the public at large. They think he should be recalled. What about the Los Angeles County Sheriff? What's his attitude on the recall? I, um, I know the, <laughs> the last sheriff uh, was very supportive of the recall. Um, the current sheriff, I don't think he's really, I think he's consciously not taken a position mm -hmm. at this point. I think the more he's around and the more he sees the, uh, the actual results of Gascon's policies, I think he'll become a uh, recall supporter. If he doesn't, then he is just uh, putting his head in the sand. But I have faith that uh, he'll listen to others in the law enforcement world. Mm -hmm. He'll listen to the victims groups. He'll see mm -hmm. the results of Gascon's policies. Maybe when a couple of his deputies get murdered uh, by someone who's out that should be in, uh, and then maybe he'll have a nirvana, and he'll say, you know what, this guy's got to go, or maybe he'll be quiet and just quietly pray <laughs> that the <that laughs> will be tossed out in the next election. <laughs> well, you made it made an interesting point. Uh, regardless of what happens, to the recall, um, assuming that he wants to run again. Um, and, and putting the whole recall thing aside, um, he stands for re-election in November of 20. He's already he's already out there. He's been out there for a year campaigning. Mm -hmm. He's raising money. Mm -hmm. uh, his ads, uh, his solicitations are out there all the time. Uh, well, he, within Los Angeles County, who supports his campaign? I don't know. I don't know who supports within Los Angeles County. The last time he got elected because he got huge, huge financial support from George Soros uh, in the millions of dollars uh, and others of George Soros's ilk, almost all of whom were outside of Los Angeles. They were from the Bay Area or elsewhere, but who are advancing an, uh, a, a view of the world, uh, not just a candidacy of Gascon, he's the puppet, but they were advancing their view of the world when it comes to criminal justice. And so he had uh, a, a lot of money a lot of money against poor Jackie Lacey, who did it the old-fashioned way, uh, just trying to get support from the people in the county. <laughs> she didn't have any great benefactors. Uh, we haven't really, other than referring to strikes, uh, we haven't talked much about three strikes. Uh, 
why don't you talk a little bit about what Three Strikes is, how it works, whether it's been successful, failure. You, you mentioned that there has been, a, I think at some point, uh, a, a nice change to Three Strikes. That's my interpretation of what you said, but let, let, let's visit that subject for a moment. Okay, Three Strikes um, was a law that in essence provided the following. If you had two or more qualifying convictions, which means convictions for a serious or a violent felony, that a conviction for any new felony, you could receive a sentence of 25 to life, okay? Uh, it also had a second strike component. A second strike component was if you had a prior conviction of one serious or violent prior, then as a second striker, the law mandated you go to prison and that the term, the ordinary term uh, for that offense could be doubled mm -hmm. and you had to serve 85% of that time imposed by the court. That was the original three strikes law. Mm -hmm. Powerful, very powerful. And in some uh, quarters uh, abused by prosecutors because they were putting people in for 25 to life for uh, uh, stealing a, a, a cassette uh, or some other minor uh, offense that quote unquote was a felony, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. two-bit forgery, uh, something like that. Felony, 25 to life, no. It was disproportionate and it was not being even-handedly applied because it was such a such a powerful law. Right. Well, the public, in their wisdom, uh, modified the law, kept it in place, but they basically, through Prop 36, said, we like three strikes, 25 to life, for that serious and violent recidivist offender who commits a new serious and violent felony, yes. But for those who commit non-serious, non-violent felonies, they should be prosecuted under the auspices of the second strike law, which provides for doubling the sentence, mandatory state prison, and you must do 85% of the time imposed by the court. That was a very thoughtful um, modification of the three strikes law. Now, why was it put forth? was put forth by people who wanted to save the three strikes law. Mm -hmm. The three strikes law had <clears throat> barely survived being declared unconstitutional by the California Supreme Court. It was declared unconstitutional by the Ninth Circuit. It was only upheld by the U.S. Supreme Court on a 4-4-1 vote. Doesn't get any closer than that. It's close. 4-4-1, that's it. That's as close <laughs> as you can get. So smart people who wanted to save three strikes and its, and its benefits in going after the serious and violent felonies proposed that um, amendment, which passed overwhelmingly because the public understood they wanted their three strikes law, but they did not want it to be abused uh, by uh, prosecutors. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And <coughs> uh, there were people out there uh, who really, I don't know if they're just unsophisticated or ideological, but they didn't want to see any change in the three strikes law. Apparently they weren't paying attention to how the three strikes law was being <laughs> challenged over and over again. 
uh, in the courts and elsewhere and by way of initiative because it was being abused. <coughs> so there was a solution and uh, the people saved three strikes. It does work, except it does not work if the prosecutor doesn't allege the strikes. George Gascon won't allege the strikes. So it doesn't exist in LA County. It doesn't exist. Hmm. So you have a <coughs> local prosecutor, in this case a district attorney, that's basically writing out of the law books, the penal code, a statute that uh, was approved by the state legislature and the people of California. Overwhelmingly. The people approved it overwhelmingly. The three strikes law was uh, a proposition and it was amended by way of uh, an initiative and amended by way of initiative. This is the people voting. And this is in the Constitution. This is not some, you know, some state legislative thing. This is in the Constitution. And he ignores it. There's something about that, that I find greatly offensive when someone takes the oath to uphold the Constitution of the United States of America, the Constitution mm -hmm. of the state of California, mm -hmm. and the laws of the state of California, and then immediately ignores them and does his own thing. Well, There's it, something very offensive about that. It, 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 now, kind of the next question, of course, is uh, impeachment, which is different from recall. Um, I, I don't think there is impeachment available. That's my uh, question. Uh, is there an yeah, impeachment? I don't think there is impeachment for uh, uh, recall is the only remedy to get rid of uh, uh, an errant public official. Uh, in, in California. In California, yeah. But <laughs> the other way is help vote them out. <laughs> get rid of them. Send them the way of uh, uh, others who, where the, the voters have woken up and realized this is not my best interest when the quality of uh, my neighborhood is being seriously diminished. Uh, oh yeah, and I'm endangered. My family's much more in danger uh, because of this guy. Get rid of them. Just get rid of them. Vote them out. Wake up. Steve Cooley, where do we go from here? Well, we vote guess going out <laughs> or we recall <laughs> that'd be a good start and there's a lot of other things we can do too before we go uh you you'd uh, mentioned uh the uh mental health issue um how does that impact crime in los angeles and california as a whole and what's being done about it there are people who are mentally ill who commit crimes we see it on television constantly all across our country. There are people who are mentally ill, clearly mentally ill, who do things like shove people in front of subway trains or hit people senselessly or attack people just because uh, they happen to be a different ethnicity. Uh, and, and these are mentally ill people. And they do other things that are manifestations that are mental illness. In California, and I think it probably in other states, many other states, they have not funded uh, mental health in terms of institutions where people can be kept away from the public that they would tend to harm. These are people with serious mental illnesses, mm -hmm. uh, psychoses and things of that nature that make them dangerous. Uh, but uh, ever since the Lanterman Petra Short Act, it's very, very, very difficult. Second time you mentioned that act. Uh, tell us about okay. it. Lanterman Petrus Short Act was enacted, I think, um, right around the time of 
um, uh, Reagan coming into office. It was pushed by uh, a guy named Frank Lannerman, who I think was a Republican, if I'm not mistaken, from La Cunada, Flint Ridge. He was very em empathetic towards people with mental illness because his brother was mentally ill. Mm -hmm. And they greatly restricted the ability of the state to um, uh, detain someone uh, or keep someone in a custodial setting to deal with their mental illness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they were going to build out uh, outpatient mental health facilities to deal with that component of society. So places like Camarillo and other state hospitals uh, were closed. And that, so that went away. And they never did really, they meaning government, never really did build out adequately uh, outpatient mental health facilities that could deal with some of the very mentally ill people that we see on our streets. In some instances, they're committing crimes. In other instances, they're self-medicating because that's how they get through life, I guess. Mm -hmm. So I think that that was uh, it's a failure of government. Uh, either didn't want to invest the money uh, or they just felt there's another way to handle this component in our society. So that's where we are right now. And I think some people are starting to think, you know what, we have to have some capacity to put some of these people in a custodial setting or a lockdown setting where they can be actually treated for their mental illness. And I think a, a lot of our homeless population are mentally ill uh, people. And a lot of them are people who are just uh, very uh, uh, drug addicted. They're just, they live with their drugs, whatever their drug of choice may be. And they're a huge component of the homeless population. And I think that um, another component here in Southern California is we got good weather. You're gonna be homeless, man. You're gonna have a tent, you're gonna be living in a tent. Better off be in LA where the weather's pretty good, Mediterranean type uh, temperature. It <laughs> doesn't rain too often, <laughs> at least not every year. And uh, as opposed to being in some freezing place like Chicago or wherever. So we, we, we're like a magnet. We've attracted a lot of other people's <laughs> homeless prone people out here, or the unhoused as they call them. Has, has anybody done any studies to correlate uh, the increase of the homeless population with the increase in crime rates? I think that a lot of the, I think Prop 47 has been a great increase in the um, uh, homeless situation crisis that we have because law enforcement isn't able to really uh, arrest people uh, who have their drug addictions uh, and put them in the system. And the system's very forgiving of people with drug problems. There's all sorts, there's diversion, there's this, there's that, there's probation. There's all kinds of ways to say, hey, look, we're the government, we're here to help you. And we got programs. Uh, and, and we're gonna have to maybe put, lock you up if you don't get in the programs. A lot of people, you know, they, they get the message and they uh, deal with their, their issues. But can't do that anymore, Prop 47. Thank you, George Gascon. Mm -hmm. Police can't arrest based upon probable cause because it's not a felony anymore has to be an offense occurring in their presence. That's what's required for a misdemeanor arrest. Mm -hmm. So that way to enforce laws 
against a population that really needs to be dealt with, gone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, by the way, let's talk about Prop 47 one more time. We have Prop 47 because Kamala Harris is dishonest and disreputable. She was the Attorney General, and when she was tasked with uh, giving uh, Prop 47 a title, she called it like the Safe Communities and Safer Streets Act. Well, that's really a nice title, and it was complete BS, and the public fell for it, and they bought into this horrible Prop 47, which greatly denigrated uh, the penal code when it came to dealing with theft and totally reduced uh, uh, hard drugs to misdemeanors. That, that's a, that's a, it was written by George Gascone, but don't let Kamala Harris off the hook. She gave it the phony misleading title when she was Attorney General. It was a team effort. Well, let me ask you this, uh, just, just as we get ready to close. Um, this is your wish list, and I realize it's a wish list. Um, and based upon your comments, uh, you realize it, at least in the short term anyway, it's not realistic. But if you could have the state legislature and the people of California to make changes in the next uh, year to address these increasing problems, what would you recommend to the state legislature and to the California people? I, I know what this they should may do? sound regressive. That's right. But tell me, tell me. Get rid of 57. Restore the determinate sentence law to what it was, which was very, very effective. Uh, 47, make it go bye-bye. It's been a disaster. Uh, nothing, nothing good has come out of 47. And AB 109, the state of California should get back into their historic responsibility of housing people sentenced to state prison where they have adequate facilities and they actually have the programs to help the people as opposed to putting them uh, in the jail system, which is not designed for people with the longer terms. So get rid of those three things. Mm -hmm. Those are the three legs on a horrible stool. Mm -hmm. Get rid of those three things. And then, uh, other part of my wish list, uh, uh, get over the constant uh, abuse of law enforcement and the, and the unnecessary criticism of our law enforcement officers because of uh, people like this jerk Bragg back in New York and others, who really wants to be in law enforcement? Who really wants to be there if <laughs> uh, you're not respected and you face uh, an improper prosecution by a rogue DA? Mm -hmm. So um, that's why you know law enforcement having a terrible time recruiting and partly it's because it's not considered to be a highly regarded profession anymore. It's being denigrated. Uh, and the defund the police movement, completely asinine. Um, and the decarceration movement, <laughs> completely uh, dangerous. So maybe stop some of those movements uh, that have put us all in danger. Well, in, 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 Lo in Los Angeles, um, both with the LAPD and also with, 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 the, with the Sheriff's Office, uh, um, are there enough candidates in the pipeline to fill all the authorized positions in those two forces? Uh, I hear there aren't. They're both, 
law enforcement agencies across the country are now getting so desperate they're offering bonuses and housing and all sorts of other things to entice qualified candidates to consider applying uh, to become a police officer. And I understand that they aren't meeting their quotas. The sheriffs are not meeting their quotas. LAPD is not meeting their quotas. And that's being replicated across the country. Uh, and also remember, in Los Angeles County, we've got 45 other police agencies. Uh, you know, Long Beach, uh, Arcadia, uh, just, we've got 46 cities with municipal police agencies. They are having a hard time recruiting. Uh, and you can't forget them, because they're one, they, they patrol and protect one third of Los Angeles County's residences in terms of policing. And you can't forget them. Mm -hmm. They're also suffering. And then you take that, I'm pretty sure it's replicated throughout California, mm -hmm. because it's more of a societal thing than it is just a regional thing. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing you, you loud and clear, and this comes back to your point that we need good laws and good prosecutors. Uh, and good uh, cops and, and good, good cops judges. And good judges. Yeah. And, uh, well, that's good advice to the uh, people of California and the people of Los Angeles. We'll see if they take it. <laughs> Steve Cooley. All right. Thank you very much. I Thank appreciated you. your time. All right.